So our celebration really is simplified. We In Advent, we were expecting the coming. Uh, well, the coming has happened. So we just have one thing to celebrate in Christmas. Christ Jesus is born. And our world has never been the same. It never will be the same. The, the world will never recover. And that we'll talk more about that. But as we press on, we, we have this community that we feel like throughout whatever the season is, we still have a purpose. So we're a diverse community of just ordinary people who are following Jesus. Uh, we learn from him. We're learning how to live. We're, we're learning how to live of the, the life that's coming. We begin to live that, in a sense, prematurely. Uh, we're living the way that we're going to live eternally because we are eternally alive right now. And uh, as we do that, uh, we get to just really announce to our world that an, a, a new age, a, a new kingdom has arrived. And it's arrived with Jesus, and it's been growing ever since. And it's not going to stop. And it's going to get bigger and better and brighter until it comes in its fullness when Jesus returns. So that's, again, that's what this season in, in some ways is a great reminder of what our hope is in the good news of the kingdom, which we get to announce to our neighbors and the nations. And that's a wonderful opportunity. So each week as we, we share just that mission, we like to invite people to connect with us in community. And, and again... If this is the first time you visited or, you know, for years you've been here, any way that we can help people connect with one another or in small groups, we have a connection card that we would love for you to fill out and we'd love to help in any way. Then along with that is we really do value praying for one another. And so we've got a blank piece of paper. Put out, put your prayer request, put your name on it. And then you get to do two things. One, you can just put that in the second basket we're going to, we're going to, pass and somebody will pray for you. We've got a team of people that pray until our prayers are answered. Or we'll have some people that you can go and receive prayer right now in, in the moment. So that, that'll all happen if you want to take care, part of that. So Ryan, would you make sure that gets wandered around the room? Thank you. My little fancy... Uh, Phone is not working, so I might get a crick in my neck. Oh, yeah, Advent, Christmas, <laughs> Epiphany. We're down to two Sundays. Today is Christmas. This is our Christmas service. Again, that may seem like, well, we just had, we had Christmas. No. Again, just I have to emphasize, we have got to learn how to celebrate Christmas over 12 days, not one day. And we get, that's part of this, I mean, talk about if you just shared that with somebody that like doesn't know Jesus and doesn't understand what in the world what, they've got, scratch their head, like they probably say, "Well, is that some kind of cult or something?" Like twelve days of Christmas. I mean, it's just a, it's a curiosity, but that's who we are. And then we're going to follow it up with Epiphany, and what Epiphany is, it's really the celebration around the wise men from Iraq that came, which is the the revelation that Jesus is not only the king of Israel, he's the king of the world. And they recognized it before the Jews did. That's like incredible. The epiphany, ding dong, here's the savior of the world. Wow. So we'll, we'll celebrate that uh, next week.
Keep rolling, Steve. Thank you. In our giving, we are really, uh, we just live in gratitude uh, that we as a community contribute gifts and tithes and offerings. And all those are aimed towards us fulfilling the mission that we believe that we've been assigned. So as we pass the basket, you're welcome to put in any gift, any tithe, any offering. You can mail those in or you can give online through Tithely. Um, And then into the basket also would be your connection cards. Then those of you that want to receive prayer now, you can either slip your prayer request into the basket or you can go to a person. And the invitation now is those of us on the leadership team, if you would like to pray for folks today, just kind of position yourself in the four corners so people can see you and you can pray for them. Lord, thank you very much uh, for this day. Thank you that we can pass a basket, just do something simple and Thank you that you're providing so well for us so that we can indeed return gifts and say, Lord, thank you. We want to invest in what you're doing through our community. And Lord, thank you for the desire that you have for us to connect with one another in community. And Lord, thank you too for the desire that we have to pray for one another and to care for one another. So we ask that you'd oversee this time of ministry in every way in Jesus' name. Amen. Kathy, you want to? Just kind of make sure the basket gets around the room. Thank you. One other Christmas greeting comes from Bethlehem, uh, like literally Bethlehem. So here is a Christmas card from Bethlehem Bible College for those of you that would like to receive that greeting. Uh, We are very grateful to have a friendship with the college and to uh, encourage the training of those that serve in the church in the Middle East especially in the Arabic-speaking world. So take one of those. So our message this morning is a child is born. My phone is having a memory problem, which I hope means that I'm not going to have a memory problem. But uh, I'll just kind of kind of look back and forth as we go. But as I said earlier, you know, uh, this baby has been born. Luke tells it this way. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, more angels, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. Matthew tells it a little bit different. Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Jesus. Emmanuel. A child has been born to you. 
could be for us. This wasn't for God. This was for humanity, to us. Is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. A child is born. Well, I mean, I mean, how do you what 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 a baby? What what a baby? A, a savior, a savior's born who saves his people from their sins. And the name of that savior is Jesus. And oh, by the way, his name is also the Anointed One, Messiah, and Lord. Interestingly. Both Luke and Matthew put Jesus' birth in a context that we don't want to overlook. God's trying to communicate through history to us about what he's up to. So in the time of King Herod, in the time of King Herod, this is happening. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? Again, let me just... These, again, are people coming from Iraq. These these are not Jewish people. These are people that are astrologers. They're watching the stars. They're open to a God... And somehow God has communicated to them the king of the Jews is being born. Go back. For he observed his star at its rising, and we've come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was terrified. And all Jerusalem with him. Now, just stay there for a minute. So many times I think we romanticize this story. And again, I'm not trying to be down on anybody. But what is, what is, what is the story telling us about the spiritual condition of those that were living in Israel at the time of Jesus' birth? Why did angels appear to the lowest caste of people in Israel? What's going on? You know, the people with the longest history of knowing God were not awake to his coming. Don't miss that. Don't, again, don't romanticize and think that all of Israel was waiting for Messiah to come. They're not. And when he shows up, the illegitimate king, we'll talk about that in a minute, is terrified by the threat because he knows he's a fraud. Notice, keep going, Herod. Herod is a vassal king of the Roman Empire. Herod is not in the lineage of the kings of Israel. He's not a son of David. 
He was actually appointed by the Roman Senate to be king of Judea. Again, let that soak in. You know, what, what you're reading in the Old Testament, you're reading about good kings, bad kings, and he's not in that. He saw an opportunity for him to weasel his way into a position of power and influence. And he went to Rome and said, I'm your guy. Why do you think they wanted him to be the vassal king? I will do whatever Rome wants. I'm the guy. Again, this is the king of Judea who has no heart for God, who's looking for an opportunity to build himself up. He's, that's who he is. He and his descendants, are not in the, they're not in the lineage of David. He's, an, he's not a legitimate king. Why? Why is this child born at this time? Then notice, in the Roman Empire, you have Octavian. His title is Caesar Augustus. He's the very first Roman emperor. So we're just, we're, the empire's just kicking off. And if you read his story, it will get worse through the emperors. They will demand that they be called Curios, Lord. The Caesars will say, Caesar is Curios. Jesus is not curious. Notice also that before a Savior is born in Bethlehem, Caesar Augustus has been given the title Savior of the world. That's a historical fact. So if you start putting all this together, and I don't want to diminish the beauty and the wonder of the story, but don't make it a fairy tale. Go on, Steve. Because there's a clash of kingdoms that's happening in this story. And the questions that Mark and Luke are raising, who is the true king of Israel? Who is the true Lord and Savior of this world? I mean, they want us, they want us to be in that tension. Because that's a huge part of this story. In this this historical context, with these historical tensions, how are we to understand a Savior who saves His people from their sins? The whole idea of salvation, Savior, takes on a whole different nuance if you put it in its history. As we go toward an answer, I, I just... I just want to suggest that salvation is a bigger deal than most of us have been taught or have ever considered. And I don't, I don't want to take away from what, what, what we've had. I want to add to. Best we can. I, I keep grappling with this because I keep, it's great. I keep running into it every year. So it's big enough year after year after year to sustain a curiosity, and there's more to study. But salvation, while it does include forgiveness for our personal transgression, it's much more than that. 
It includes that. I'm grateful for that. But again, we've got to kind of fast forward to our culture. We are so individualistic that we think, well, what is this? It's about me, right? It's about me being forgiven. Well, yeah, 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 but it's more. It's not just that. As important, do you hear me? I think that's important. I need somebody to confess my sin to and receive forgiveness and be cleansed from my unrighteousness. I need that. I'm not, I'm not saying that's not important. But that's not all it is. And it really comes down to how, how are you going to define a Savior who's going to save his people from their sin? What sin? What, what again, in the history, what are they talking about? Wrote it on. In Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, which again has a, a, a bend towards Jew, Judaism. It's, it's to those that have become followers of Jesus from a Jewish background. So both in Hebrews, the letter we have, as in the Old Testament, sin appears as the power that deceives humans and leads them to destruction. Whose influence and activity can be ended only by sacrifice. What I would like to suggest to you is that one of the worldly powers that deceives humans and leads humanity to destruction are worldly governments. Just like the government of Herod and Augustus. Then what I'd also like to just combine that, go back, Thank you. Take those signals right. Yeah. Since only ended by sacrifice, who put Jesus on the cross? The government of Herod? The government of Rome? And who else? The religious. Now, They didn't see him for who he was. So what does Jesus' death on the cross expose about worldly governments and about the state of the religion of Israel at the time Jesus was here? What what, What does it say? That they're living in a deception that leads humanity towards destruction. We don't even see you as the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. We see you as a threat. We need to get rid of you. It exposes the fallenness of humanity. Okay? Keep going, Steve. So the verb to save, sozo, does mean, it does mean to save or preserve from eternal death from judgment, from all that might lead to such death. That's what we, most of us, that's how we understand. I was saved from eternal death, from judgment. In the same breath, if you don't believe me, you can come over, we can look at it together. Also, and also, in a positive sense, bring messianic salvation Bring to salvation. A Savior 
who brings messianic salvation. Oh, by the way, that Savior is also called... Who's the one that can bring messianic salvation? Messiah. Hello. With Messiah comes messianic salvation. What's he doing? He loves you and me. He wants us with him. Folks, messianic salvation means that the fallenness, the collapse of the universe is being reversed by the coming of this child. Now you and I are involved in that individually as people living in rebellion against God, but he's dealing with the whole planet, all of the universe that's lived in rebellion against him. He is a savior that brings salvation. Salvation of the universe, of everything that God created, including us, has now come face to face with salvation. I would say that's a big deal. Wouldn't you? Now, there's one more thought. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter is making his appeal... He says this, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. He doesn't say save yourself from your personal sins. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Well, what was, what was corrupting in that generation? What was crooked? What was unscrupulous? What was dishonest? What was harsh? What was unjust? You can answer what was. I mean, we've just, we've just talked about it. The governments were. Both the local government, the Herodian dynasty, and then the Roman government. Those words describe it perfectly. And what else? The, 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 the state of religion. So those combined, that the religious and, and the, the government at the time of Jesus... Folks, you've got to be saved out of that into what? Into the kingdom. That's why Jesus announced his kingdom. God's kingdom's arrived. Get in on it through faith in me, Messiah. So when it all comes down to it, one more slide, Steve. I come back to salvation of a, of a fallen world. It's, it's arrived. And just as we started with Emmanuel, God with us, that's Isaiah 7, you get to Isaiah 9, and this is what you discovered. Remember, a child has been born. A child has been born. And that child, a child has been born for us. The gift of a son for us. And notice, can we all say it out loud? Let's read it again. He'll take over the running of the world. Read it again. Say it out loud. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. 
Look at that next one. His ruling authority will grow. And there'll be no limits to the wholeness, the shalom that he brings. Could you all say no limits? No limits. No limits. Other translations say it has started, it will increase, it will not be stopped. He'll rule from the historic Davidic throne over that promised kingdom. The promised kingdom of Davidic throne is more than Israel. You can go back and read that some. He'll put that that kingdom on a firm footing. He'll keep it going with fair dealing. Remember, dishonest, corrupt, unscrupulous, right living. That's, we, we, we put so much on right limit, that's important. Beginning now. When's the now? With the birth of Jesus. Lasting forever. How are we going to make this happen? We're not. Who's going to make it happen? The zeal. That's an incredible word. What does that tell us about God? This God has watched our history. God has watched us destroy one another. God is grieved to the point that he is zealous. I, I mean, reckless love is a great thing. I want my universe back. And he's zealous to make it happen. That's what he's doing. He's doing that today. He's doing that in our lives. He's doing that in the lives of people that don't know him yet. This is what he's doing. It's a big deal. And we, those that gather at a time, we, we got to know, we got to understand so that we will participate with him in what he's doing and so that we can tell the story to those that had no idea of the very present activity and reality of God and what He's doing in our world. So I really come down, Holy Spirit, come and help us. Come and help us. Help us understand the full impact of the birth of Jesus. Sometimes when our, when our, under, our understanding hat, we've got to set aside some of the things that we have thought in order to, to really receive. Again, just the simple thing. This is not just about my individual happiness and forgiveness. It's about the world. It's about every human being on the planet. Holy Spirit, help us to get the bigger picture. To move beyond our personal salvation to a Savior who is saving this fallen world. Now, I don't have eyes to see it. I want eyes to see it. But my eyes are pretty much focused upon the destruction that still exists on planet Earth.
we're, we're, we're still on this course of self-destruction. But I, my guess is, is that from God's point of view, we're better off than what we used to be. Again, his kingdom is not going to be thwarted. He's doing stuff all the time, everywhere. Bringing salvation to our planet. Holy Spirit, help us to see that bigger picture. Holy Spirit, save us from our crooked, unscrupulous, dishonest, harsh, and unjust generation. I mean, I I do think that all of those adjectives describe the time that we're living in. Save us from the worldly government powers that deceive us and lead us to destruction. I do think that we're living at a time, especially in America, but it's, uh, it's in Europe as well, where people that are following Jesus are putting too much weight, too much hope on what government, worldly government can do. It has its limit, way it has its limitations. I'm also very concerned that, that many of us are being deceived by worldly powers. We're calling something that is evil good and things that are good evil. I just, I'm just, I'm very concerned about that. And that dynamic kicks in when I'm reading about this story. Save us. Holy Spirit, save us. We need to, we need to be the people on the planet that are not living under deception. That can recognize, discern, and do what we are meant to do in relation to governments. Last is just, Jesus, save us. (laughs) Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on the church. Because we're the bearers of the message of the kingdom. Would you stand with me for a moment? I believe that every one of us need help with all of that. But that's just my gut. That's just me. Would you just look at that list and pick out the one? Where do you need the Holy Spirit to help you the most? Holy Spirit, I thank you that we are unique, we're individuals. I thank you that of this list, I think each of us can kind of pick, we can kind of pinpoint one, and we can just say, help us. And so what I would ask, Holy Spirit, is that you would come in this moment and assure us of your help. That you want to mature us. You want us to be free. You want us to get it. (laughs) You want us to understand.
You want to save us. Deliver us. And then finally, Holy Spirit, my prayer is, as you give us help, empower us to tell the bigger story of our Savior. I pray that you would give to each of us at least one person in these days of Christmas, the next six days of Christmas, give us one person that we can share what we've learned this morning. That if you can help somebody understand a Savior has been born. A Savior is lifting our crazy creation out of its fall. Give us a person, Lord, to share your story with. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much for our morning together.